Last week, we started a sermon series called Emotions, and we're talking in the next couple weeks about emotions. I want to just cut to the chase and tell you what this is all about. Emotions are neutral. Emotions are neutral. It's not like there's some good emotions, you got a bucket of good emotions, and then there's bad emotions, you got a bucket of bad emotions, and you want to try to do the good emotions and stay away from the bad emotions. Listen, I want you to hear this. Emotions are neutral. The way you respond to your emotions can either be God-honoring or they can be sinful. So again, you, can, you have an emotion, and emotion is something that God gave you. We were built with emotions. There, the proof for this, if you missed last week, proof for this is that Jesus had emotions, what we would say good bucket and bad bucket emotions. Jesus had both of them, and Jesus never sinned. So Jesus res- always responded to his emotions in a God-honoring way. We sometimes respond to our emotions in a God-honoring way, and sometimes we respond to them in sin. So emotions are neutral, and what we want to do, in fact, one of the things that we really feel uh, very passionate about at Alpine is that we want to help you to give your whole life to God. We don't want to just, we don't want you to just give like the, the, your Sunday mornings to God, right? Or just like 60 minutes on a Sunday morning to God. We want you to give your whole life to God which means that we want, we want you to give him your relationships, your finances. We want you to give him your emotions. And so we, around here, we actually bring our emotions into our pursuit of God. We don't leave it at the door. We bring our brains into a pursuit of God. We don't leave them at the door. And so today, we're talking about emotions. And just for four weeks, we're going to be talking about it. But we actually have a whole category page on PursueGod.org, PursueGod.org slash emotions. Because we want to equip you with conversations for your family so that you can be healthy and whole. So you'll find all kinds of uh, content, including today's message and this whole sermon series, you'll find there on PursueGod.org on the emotions page. And the way we use this in our family and in our mentoring relationships is we use those, those are conversation starters. Because I know a lot of people are like, I wouldn't even know how to start the conversation. Well, today's message is one conversation. We're going to talk about... uh, Sinful ways to respond to one of your emotions. And that topic is the first one listed on this emotions page. So we love that you're here to hear a sermon, but we believe that real life change happens when you go home and talk about it with your families. You talk about it with your spouse. You talk about it in small group. You talk about it if you have a mentor. You talk about it with a mentor. If you don't have a mentor, talk to us afterward or fill out your card. We'll get you connected to a mentor so you can talk about some of these topics that are really important for you to dive into, because we believe God wants to make you healthy and whole, and that means your emotions as well, okay? So some people, I think they, they, they think of emotions, and they're like, well, that per, this series is for this emotional person. You know, some of you might be here like, oh, I'm so glad you're preaching on emotions, because my kid needs to hear this, or my wife needs to hear this, or my husband needs to hear this, because he's too emotional. Okay, look, if you're saying that, you're probably under-emotional, and you got a problem too, because you can respond to your emotions on either end of the spectrum in an ungodly way, in a sinful way. And we're going to be talking about that today. Now today, we're, again, these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about owning some of these difficult emotions. So we're going to talk about, in these next few weeks, we're going to talk about things like anxiety and fear. We're going to talk about sadness and grief. And today, as is so fitting... For a day when, you know, it's opening week of the NFL. I'm not going to say much about it, but I'm a Bears fan. 
and Thursday night, my Bears, who are supposed to be all that, they got beat. They put three points up on the board. And so today we're going to talk about dealing with your anger issues. <laughs> I really need this sermon. Um, when I was growing up, my dad, would, my dad would take us in junior high and high school, he would take us on electric jobs with him. He's got a master's degree. He worked, he worked downtown Chicago for years. He had a whole career. He retired at 50 to go into his own business doing electric work. My dad brought my older brother on a trip, and on a, on a, not on a trip, on an electric job, and they're crawling through this crawl space, and it's, it's muddy, and it's dank, and, it's, and there's spiders, and, and he's like, he's, you know, like any good dad, he's like going to turn this into a teaching moment, and he turns, he looks at, his, he looks at Mike, and Mike, Mike was, my older brother was making some bad decisions at this point, I'll just leave it at that. In high school, he was making some poor choices, and my dad is, you know, just one of those guys that wants to teach you on the job, so he's crawling, he's like, Mike, do you like this kind of work? He's like, no, this is terrible, I hate this. Well, keep going, to co- you need to go to college. Because this is what people do when they don't go to college. And they crawled, army crawled a little bit more through the thing. And, and my dad's feeling pretty good about himself, you know. And my, my, my brother stops and says, hey, dad? He's like, yeah. Turns, like, here's the payoff. And Mike said, didn't you go to college? <laughs> so we would learn a lot of lessons when we went with my dad on electric trips. But one of the things we learned is that that he had, an, he, he had, one of his things was anger. And guess what? His dad had anger issues, and so his sons had anger issues. This is something that we deal with. My wife lovingly reminds me of this whenever I'm driving. She's, uh, she says, I drive angry. She says, I drive mad. And I just, again, want to just remind all of you how roundabouts work. The yield sign is on the outside of the roundabout. So, so if you're outside the roundabout, you yield. If you're in, keep driving. <laughs> you're messing it up if you stop when you're in there already. Just keep moving through that thing. Everyone will wait for you. If everybody could just get this, I wouldn't be so angry, okay? <laughs> so today we're going to talk about how to respond to your anger issues now that, uh, now that you know I've got them. Um, so t- I want to start, the main thing we're going to get to today is, is three sinful responses. We're gonna, how many of you heard of uh, the love languages? Raise your hand if you've heard of the love languages. Good. How many of you, hands down, how many of you heard of the anger languages? Anyone? Okay, we're going to talk about the anger languages today. There's three sinful responses to that emotion of anger. Remember, the emotion isn't a sin because Jesus got angry. So if the emotion of anger was a sin, then Jesus would have sinned. But the emotion of anger isn't a sin. It's your response that it can either be God-honoring or can be sinful. And we're going to talk about that today. First of all, I want to just remind you of where it comes from. Anger comes from, if if I could put it under one major heading, is anger comes from something not being right in your world. Right? That's where it comes from. Something's not right. This isn't how it's supposed to be, so I get angry. I get out there, you're supposed to be driving a little faster, or you should be driving a little slower, or you should be just driving. The light's green, right? So something's not right in my world. According to my perspective, according to my view, something's not right. And so when something's not right, I, I get mad. When my, when my dad would be on an electric job and, and the job wasn't going according to plan, he would get angry, right? Because it didn't go the way he wanted it to. So think about it in your own life when you get angry. 
if you've been angry, what, the last thing you were angry at, the reason is because something didn't match up to your expectations. Something wasn't right. Let me say it another way. With you at the center of your world, something's not right. That's why we get angry. Ephesians 4, verse 26. I love, I love how the English Standard Version says this. He says, be angry and do not sin. Now, that's really curious that it would say it like that. It says, be angry. So the Bible actually says to be angry. Some of you are going to just write this down. You're going to take that out of context. And you're like, that's my, fa- that's my new favorite scripture verse right there. Be angry. No, but don't, you can't. That's how cults start when you just take parts of scripture, okay? You got to take all of it. If you're going to take any of it, you got to take all of it. It says, be angry and do not sin. So what that means is you can be angry and not sin. But it also implies that you can be angry and sin. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's one way to sin in your anger is you get angry about something, even if it's right for you to be angry, but it's wrong. you respond wrong to it when you let the sun go down on the anger. In other words, you don't address it in a, in a good way right away. He says, give no opportunity to the devil. So we're going to talk today about how to do this, how to be angry without sinning. We're going to get to that at the very end. I've got two practical things for you to do if, you're, if you've got anger issues. But before we get to that, we've got to share with you the three anger languages because I want you to identify which of these three is your primary languages. Now, if you've ever done the love languages, you know that you might have one or two primary love languages, but you, most people have all of them at some level. And these three anger languages, probably most people have all of them at some level, a little bit, people in the first service came up to me and said, can you be all of them? Can I have all of those? I said, yeah, because that's what they said. I've got all of them. But some of you really can identify with, with one of these, and so let's share about what they are. Number one, the first anger language is suppressive anger. These are the stuffers. Raise your hand if you think you might be a stuffer. Raise your hand if you think you might be a stuffer. Okay. Stuffers, I'm going to read this talking point. People with, with suppressive anger Hesitate to admit or own their emotion. Did you know that? You think falsely, you believe falsely that anger is always a bad thing. So you stuff it. So somewhere, somehow you picked up in life that anger is a bad thing. Maybe it's because you live with someone who is angry all the time and you're like, I'm not going to be like that person. And so you've overreacted and you've stuffed your anger and, it, and you never let it out. You never express it. There's no, there's no healthy way for you to vent it, and so you stuff it. And so if you're a stuffer, I've got a scripture verse for you. It's Psalm 32, verse 3. It says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Stuffing your anger does this to you. Because when you, when you stuff it, guess what? It's, got, it's still in there. It's like swallowing a toxin and keeping it in. If you, sw- if you eat something toxic, if you've ever had food poisoning before, if you eat something toxic, your body will force it out. It will force you to spit it out. Because your body knows it's not good for you. Some of you have been swallowing the poison of anger But you think that expressing anger is wrong, and so you stuff it, and it becomes a secret. 
It becomes something that's inside of you and it's, and it's wasting you away. And I want, I want you to just hear this today. This is your verse. You, can, you need to write it down. Because that psalmist is writing from personal experience. The psalmist is saying, I, now again, it just says that when I refuse to confess my sin. Now we're talking about anger in this particular case. That It could be, it could be bitterness. It could be a, a, some other kind of sin issue. But let's just, let's just say that we're talking about unconfessed anger, undealt with anger. And what happens when you have that is you... You, you kill yourself. You, slow, you die this slow death on the inside. One of the things I, I, I just so appreciate about our family, by the way, it's my daughter's 19th birthday today. Yes, happy birthday. She was born one year and one day before Alpine was born. So Alpine was born uh, in the same house. Um, but a year and a day later, and so we're 18 years old tomorrow as a church. That's pretty awesome. But my, my daughter is, is kind of like me, a little bit more of a stuffer emotionally, a little bit more emotionally reserved, and so kind of hold, holds it in. And what, the thing with stuffers, here's what we do. Here's what we have to learn from. This is your emotion right here, and if what you do when you stuff it, you're never dealing with that emotion, whether it's anger or sadness or anxiety or whatever it is. And the problem is if you don't ever, if you don't ever like put it out there on the table and say, let's deal with that. Where's that coming from? What's that all about? It's going to eat you up. Now, we are very blessed to have Tracy in our lives, my, known as mom to her and wife to me. And so Tracy is really good at, getting, at drawing us out and helping us to talk about our emotions helping us to talk about what we're feeling, why we're feeling it, and, and what to do about it. And so we're, so we're so blessed to have a woman like that who helps us get that thing and put that out on the table. And some of you, some of you don't have someone like that in your life, and so you've been stuffing that emotion of anger, and it's killing you. And you need to, you need to talk about it, you need to get it out and talk about it, or it will eat you up. And that's why I showed you that emotions page because there's hundreds of conversation starters. Today's on anger is right there. Today's topic, you can talk about this and so many more. You have to learn to talk about it. Here's the second type of anger language. The second one is probably the one that you all thought of whenever you think of anger, and it's explosive anger. It's explosive anger. Let me read this from today's topic on this second type of anger. People with explosive anger, listen to this, People with explosive anger tend to lose control and let the chips fall where they may. Does that sound familiar to anybody? They, lo- they don't really care. Like they're just going to get, they're just, they're not going to hide it. It's the, almost the opposite of the stuffer. They're like, I'm not going to hide this. I'm angry and everybody's going to know about it. And they let the chips fall where they may. The exploder feels better after venting. Right? Everyone around, that exploder feels worse. Okay, so take a little quiz. Do you feel better or worse after you vent? Probably for you, you feel better, but ask the people in your world, hey, how do you feel when I do that? Here's what the Bible says. Here's your memory verse for you exploders. So there's the, there's the verse, Psalm 32.3, for those of you who tend to hold it in, and here's the memory verse for the rest of you, Psalm, Proverbs 29.11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. So you gotta, you got to memorize that one if you're, a, if you're an exploder 
fools vent their anger. Here's another good sign to know if you're an exploder. There might be holes in your walls about the size of your fist. This week, um, you know, I, I mentioned that it was my daughter's birthday today, and we, we went to the range and, and hit some golf balls at the range. We are having a great time as a family. And we noticed that there was another family on the other side of the wall from us. About midway through our time there, we heard this dad, like, like cussing out and chewing out the kid. And I, my first reaction was, okay, I've heard this before because I've been around a lot of Division I coaches, right, and even just high school coaches, okay, and I'm like, I, I know what this is. This is this, like, motivating, you've got this 23-year-old kid that thinks he's all that, but he needs to, you need to get his attention, so that's what, at first, what I thought, but the more, like, he was demeaning this kid, he was, it was getting pretty ugly, chewing him out, cussing him out, so finally, we were all looking at each other, and I finally kind of peeked around the wall to look and see what was happening, it was a dad chewing out his 11-year-old daughter, cussing her out, yelling at her, demeaning her. And it, it took my breath away at first when I saw it, and I, and I kind of just stood there and looked at him, and he was, he was, she was kind of between us, and I kind of looked over her at him, trying to get his attention, because sometimes men can just do this. We can just look at each other with a look that communicates something like, shut up, you moron. That's what I was trying to deal, do, do right there. I was like, let me just see if I can do the shut up, you moron look at this guy. But he wouldn't look at me. He only had the courage to chew out and confront an 11-year-old girl. He wasn't courageous enough to look at another man in the eye. So I stood there for about a good solid minute waiting for him to look at me. Nothing. Now he changed his tone with her because he could tell that I was there. And he wanted to get rid of me, so he changed his tone and he quieted down. And he finally was like, sweetie, come on, swing like this, hit like this. So then I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I figured that, that maybe, maybe he was just having a bad day. But when I read this verse, I realize that the Bible calls him a fool. Some of you maybe today, even just hearing this, you're feeling a little bit of conviction. And I hope that that's not man-to-man conviction. I hope that that's Holy Spirit-to-you conviction. If you're here today and you say, I've got explosive anger issues, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm just, I'm putting myself in the same boat with you. God, God can make you healthy and whole. God can heal that. Because I know that that guy didn't, didn't like that about him. I know that he was ashamed of himself. I could tell that he, was, he knew it was wrong, but he didn't know how to change it. Fools vent their anger. Now, there's one more anger language real quick, and this is a, this is a little bit trickier, and I'm going to just read from the talking point from the topic online. It's called covert anger or passive-aggressive anger. Let me read it to you in case you don't know what this is. The person with passive-aggressive anger is more covert, manipulative, calculated, and sophisticated in their expression of anger. Okay? This person doesn't want to be seen as angry, but in reality, they're out to win and hurt people. I had had someone come up to me after the first service, and she's like, you have to be smart to have passive-aggressive anger, don't you? I'm like, yeah, you kind of have to be smart. She's like, yeah, that's the one I have. (laughs) She felt pretty good about it. You know, she's like, yeah, that's, when you listed them out, I'm like, yeah, that, that one's me. 
Because she says I, she was admitting it. It was self-awareness. This is good. Some of you are like, this is good. I need to put that anger out on the table and just evaluate it. Which one am I? So you can do something about it. And so it was good for her. I mean, this is the first step for her on her journey. And she said, I realize that when, when, I, when I get angry, I'm angry about something, I'm able to spin it and make everyone else feel like they're the ones who are angry. I'm able to manipulate everyone and make everyone else feel like they're the ones with the problem. And I'm the one, I'm the one that's got the real anger issue, but I'm covert about it. I'm sneaky about it. So for some of you, you might have to admit, that's me. I personally think that's the toughest one to deal with. But for all of these, the first, the first step in dealing with it is admitting it's an issue for you. Here's a, here's a scripture verse I want you to write down and pray about. Understand this, James write this, writes this. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Because human anger, any one of these three things, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So here's your two steps. I want to I give you re- just real practical steps. Again, the goal for this sermon isn't to have the final word. It's just to have the first word. And I hope that you'll meet with your spouse, with your small group, with your family. Parents, I hope you'll use this topic and talk about this with your kids. Because it might change the way they deal with the, their anger for the rest of their lives. I wish we could have had this conversation 40 years ago when I was growing up. I wish my dad could have sat down and said, yeah, that one's me sometimes. And, and, he, and he, he would have looked at all of us and said, and I've seen it in all of you too. And let's get better at this. And so you can do that. I hope that you will. But two quick steps for you. Number one, for some of you, you just need to let it go. For some of you, as you evaluate, as you put anger out on the table and you say, why am I so angry? What is that about? For some of you, you just need to let it go. You're trying to control it. You can't control it. Just let it go. John Gottman, he writes in one of his books that almost 70% of marital conflicts never, go, never get resolved. 70%! So for some of you, even in your marriages, you just need to say, maybe this is one of those that just, we're just, this one's not going to get resolved. You have your opinion, I have my opinion about roundabouts. Let's just let this one go. <laughs> you know? 70%. So sometimes you need to evaluate. Now, not all of it. Now, this takes some wisdom and a mentor sometimes. And God, God's Spirit speaking to you. But some of those issues you just need to release. If you're angry about something and you realize that your anger is not doing the situation any good, you're angry about something that someone did to you 20 years ago, it's time to let it go. Because the other person has let it go 20 years ago. They never even picked it up. They have never even picked up the burden. You've been carrying that burden yourself. You just need to let it go. And you might say, well, I tried that. What if I can't? Well, then let it go again. I did it a hundred times. We'll do it a hundred and one times. It's kind of like forgiveness. When the disciples said, Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone? Seven, Seven times? He said, no, 70 times seven. What he was saying is every time it comes up, let it go again. Every time I'm like, oh, that makes me so angry. I want to put my my fist through a wall. Let it go. Let's just let that be a trigger to let it go again. Instead of letting that be a trigger to put your fist through a wall, let it be a trigger to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to let it go. And if tomorrow morning I wake up and I've got another issue with that, I'm going to breathe and I'm going to let it go again. I, I stayed at a friend's house last week and there was a sign on their dresser 
It said something like this. I'd never heard this before. It was so good. It just said, give it to God and go to bed. What great wisdom. Give it to God and just go to bed. Just let it go. Some of you just need to be slow to get angry and say, I'm just going to let that one go. I can't control it. And that's probably, for a lot of you, that's probably the main one. But there's one more I want to end with today. And it, and it comes back to this idea of why anger's in us in the first place. Some of you might be like, how could anger be good at all? I said at the beginning that God, that God gave us every emotion we have, there's, a, there's actually a good reason for that emotion. It's not just the bad stuff. The good reason for the emotion of anger is because, remember what I said, anger is when something's not right on your terms? Well, righteous anger is when something's not right on God's terms. And the reason that God has created the emotion of anger, the reason, the reason that it's in us is because when something's not right in God's eyes, like God's people should want to do something about it. And that's called righteous anger. Jesus had righteous anger. And in Matthew chapter 21, in verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. It says he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. By the way, I looked at this, I looked this up in Mark and Luke, the same story, and it doesn't say that he knocked over chairs and tables. I wonder if maybe Mark and Luke were like, we're not going to put that part in there because that seems too angry. And Matthew is like, no, that was righteous anger. You know you can knock over a table and a chair and do it in an unrighteous way, and you can do the same thing in a righteous way. And Jesus did it in a righteous way. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. And he got angry. You know why? Because he walked into the temple, which was supposed to be the place where they worshiped God, and they turned it into a money-making thing. And he said, this isn't right. And there are times in our lives where we walk into a situation and we say, this isn't right. And some of you, maybe there's an anger about a situation that's just like God has placed that anger in you and he wants you to do something about it. He wants you to make it right. He wants you to be his instrument to make it right. And that night, as we were at the driving range and we were getting ready to go and, and it had been okay for about 15 minutes, but then we heard the the dad chewing out and cussing out, and it was even worse than before. And we all were packing up, and we looked at each other, and we had a little family huddle right there. And I said, I, I'm going to go over there and say something. And Tracy said, and I mean, this was a kind of a debate. Tracy said, I don't think you should. And I, didn't, I wasn't really sure, because I'm a lover, not a fighter, you know. <laughs> but there was something in me that just was boiling up. I just said, this isn't right. Who's going to speak up for this 11-year-old girl? And, they, and she had a seven-year-old, he had a seven-year-old daughter sitting with the wife. The, the wife didn't have courage to speak up because she's, because she's, I'm sure she's in an abusive relationship. The girls are now being raised in an abusive relationship. I said, somebody has to speak up. And we talked about it and thought about it. And, and finally, I took my seven iron and I thought, I'm going to go over and <laughs> have a conversation. And I stood by the, by the wall as he was chewing her out. And I, and I stood there again, and I just, I just, once again, I just looked at him. I, all I wanted was for him to look at me so that I could give him a look and say, people are watching. And he wouldn't look at me. He didn't have the courage to look at me. 
Some of you don't have the courage to deal with your anger. And so finally, he, he softened his tone because he could tell I was looking at him. He could tell I was watching. He softened his tone. And he, he finally said, sweetie, come on, just swing a little smoother. And he tried to be all nice again, but I wasn't falling for it this time. And he finally said, why are your hands shaking? Honey, why are your hands shaking? Do we need to take a break? He said, let's just take a break. So she walked over by her mom, and she sat down and started having a drink of water, and that was my opportunity. And I walked over to him, and he still wouldn't look at me until I got into his zone. And I could tell he was kind of getting ready. And all I did is I had a card with my phone number on it, and I quietly said where his wife couldn't hear and his girls couldn't hear because I didn't want to embarrass him and make it worse. I just said, call me if you want some help. And I gave him the card, and I walked away. And I'll be honest with you, there was something in me that kind of was hoping he would take a swing at me. (laughs) But he didn't. And we drove away from there, and just this whole last week, I just have been praying, God, move in his heart to do something. Because I know he doesn't feel good about his anger. I know he doesn't feel good about how he acts. I know he doesn't feel like a man at the end of the day, that he can talk like that to an 11-year-old girl. And some of you, if you've got anger issues, I just want to say, you can change. God can change you. You can be healthy and whole. You don't have to live with that. And I know it's hard. It's, it's hard for a guy like that to, to, to put that on the table and say, yeah, I want to deal with that. Nobody wants to deal with it. You want to stuff it until ex- you explode again and you don't want to, you don't want to you know, expose it to other people and, and probably you're not going to want to expose it to someone in your world and that's why here at Alpine we have mentors. We've got guys we can connect with, real guys, not pastors, like real manly men <laughs> who you can relate to who can say, let me walk you through this. Let's get through this together. Because God has a solution for you. He has that solution in Jesus. And I pray that if you need help with that, that anger issue, that you would deal with it. We want to help you, just like we want to help that guy. Give it over to God, and he can change you.